more and more and more and more and more. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of you in God's house. Amen. I believe the Lord will minister to us in a very special way this morning. We are going to have a time of prayer. As you know, we are in our month of fasting and prayer. And we want to thank God for the miracles and uh, the testimonies and the breakthroughs that he is giving his people. Amen? But before we go into the word and before I forget, let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to pray for our sister Brenda this morning. We know that she lost her brother. And we just want to pray that you comfort her. You comfort the whole family. You hold them up in this time. In the name of Jesus. When death occurs in our families, God, all the time we have questions. And it comes with shock. Because we always have got this faint hope. That our beloved ones will get well. But as it is a God, with the journey of life, there's time to be born and there's a time to die. So we pray in Jesus' mighty name that God, you cover the whole family. Surround them with your presence. We lift up our brother Kondwan Gondwe who's gone to Rumpi as well. For there's been a death in the family. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Watch over his going out and his coming in. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray, God, that in all this, you'll be glorified. And you'll be seen, God. For that is who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are today doing part five on how to face setbacks in life. We've got two more to go. And I believe that's what's going to take us into the new year. I sincerely believe that no matter how hard and how tough the devil may rise against us, God will still do the best with our lives. Amen? And uh, we started by looking at the life of David, and we've been referring to his life as we've carried on with this series. And that took us into the book of Jeremiah, because there's been a very interesting scripture that we've been looking at over these past few weeks now. So, let's just go to our main scripture for this series. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, and it is building up on First Samuel chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. If you found it, say amen. 
Should I wait a bit more? Okay. If you found it, say amen. Okay, you're there now. So let's read it together. We're going to read it together. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, all the way to verse 8. One, two, three, go. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the porter's house, and there I'll cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the porter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the porter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the porter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this porter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the porter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. Amen? And from this scripture, what we have seen is that our lives are works in progress. So your life my life is all but a work in progress. We haven't yet reached the end of where God is taking us to. Amen? So, when Jeremiah goes to this Potter's house, the Bible tells us, as we have read, he found this porter. Busy making a vessel. And he was making this vessel out of clay. In the process of making the vessel, the Bible makes us to understand that the clay somehow got marred in the hands of the porter. It got destroyed in the hands of the porter. And the Bible tells us that the porter did not take the clay and throw it out of the window or throw it out completely. Somehow the porter had wisdom to take the clay, the very same clay, and begin to mold another vessel as it seemed good for the porter to make. It was at that point that God now speaks to Jeremiah. And he says, I want you to go to the house of Israel, to the children of Israel. It could be us today. And tell them exactly what you have seen. And you go and ask them, can I, God, not do with them as this porter has done? Because as this clay 
is in the hands of the porter, so are you, children of Israel, in my hands. And we have seen that whatever happens, we are in the hands of God. But even though we are in the hands of God, things can go wrong with our lives whilst we are right in the hands of God. And we have seen that we can be so close to God and yet be so close to trouble. Amen? No matter what happens in that process of time, God is able to redesign our lives. And we have seen that there are certain moments in life whereby these setbacks, these things that happen in our lives, the mess that we find ourselves in, we cause it ourselves. And God says, if you truly repent, I am able to start afresh with you. So we are seeing that God really wants to give us a fresh start in our life, no matter at what stage of life we may be in. You may be 45, God wants to give you a fresh start. You may be 25, God wants to give you a fresh start. You may even be 70, God can give you a fresh start because the beginning of your life doesn't really matter. What really matters is how you end. Most people are not remembered by how they began. Most people are remembered by how they finished this race called life. Hallelujah. The devil may do his worst. He may really decide that he wants to finish you off. But as we see from God's word, no matter what he did in the life of David, God was able to start afresh with him and David was able to rise to the place of prominence as God had intended and truly, truly as God has spoken to him in the book of First Samuel chapter 16, we see this young man becoming king, first of all, king of the tribe of Judah and eventually king of the whole nation of Israel. When God has determined to do something with our lives, there is absolutely nothing the devil can do about it. Hallelujah. There will be setbacks. There will be hindrances. There will be disappointing moments in life. There will be discouragement. There will be moments when we we'll feel like we are done. We are, our lives are over. But God is able to do it again. There's a song that saying says, he will do it again. Hallelujah. So after we looked all that, we said, then, but how then do we start again? And last week we looked at three, th two things. We said, first and foremost, there's absolutely no way we can rise up again in life without the grace of God. So we should be able to receive God's grace. Number two, we said we have to get to the point of accepting and receiving God's forgiveness. Because sometimes what the devil tries to tell us is that this thing which you have done, there is absolutely no way God can forgive. But I want to tell you today, there is no sin that God cannot forgive. God is able to forgive each and every sin. One time he had to tell the children of Israel, even if your sins are red as scarlet, 
they are red as crimson as shall make you white as snow. Hallelujah. So we have to do that and in the process of time, as you begin to do that, what God eventually does is that he really makes you get to the point of even forgiving yourself. But also, we talked last week that it is that grace that makes us to forgive other people. Because as we live life, we don't live life as an island. We live with people. And as long as you live with people, you're going to face disappointments, discouragements, setbacks in life. Amen? Today we'll only look at one point and next week we'll look at two more points. If not three. And then we'll be finishing the other week. But today I want us to look at something very critical. And the lesson for today is that when all these things have happened the only way you can start again is that you have to learn some useful and valuable lessons in the through and in the experience you've gone through. Every experience you go through in life can absolutely work to your advantage. No matter how painful it is. No matter how hard it may be. And I'm going to give you a story of something that happened in my life. And uh, is my wife in church? Okay, she's not around. She's, she's at the children's church. Okay. She'll hear. Amen? She'll hear. But everything you go through in life can actually work to your advantage. No matter how hard it may be. Hallelujah. No, no matter how difficult it may be, it can absolutely, absolutely work to your advantage. So let's build on that, on two scriptures, and then we will look at the rest of the things that we want to look at this morning, and then we'll pray. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There's, there's a scripture there. Romans chapter 8. It's a very famous scripture, and almost every those. Quite a good number have memorized it, but I just want us to look at it together. Romans 8.28, we'll only read that verse. The Bible says, and we know, hallelujah, it, it matters what you know. So this Paul, when he's writing to the believers in Rome, he says, we know one thing. We know. Because what you know will make you do things differently or in a certain way. It all depends on what you know. So Paul says, and we know. What do we know? That all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hallelujah. All things, all things, absolutely everything. 
Paul says, we know that all things work together. So it looks like the all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly are making a recipe. It's more or less like you have taken salt, onions, tomato, some garlic. You want to cook a meal. So the good, maybe it's the salt. The bad, maybe it's the onion because it makes us to cry. Amen? And the ugly, I'll not mention. But it's all making a recipe. That at the end of the day, when you eat the meal, you say, this is a good meal. And the thing that is making it a good meal is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hallelujah. Since we know that all these things work together for good. For what? For good. To those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. And I want to say this morning, you did not call yourself. Hallelujah. Unless you call yourself, then this scripture doesn't apply. But if it is God who called you, and it is for the purpose that God has for your life, then the good, the bad, and the ugly, they have no choice but to work for your good. Hallelujah. Psalms 119. Psalms 119. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. One thing we know is that it can work together for our good. Psalm 119 verse 71. David writes, and he says, It is good for me. Remember, he says, all things work together for what? For good. For good. To them who are called, who are the called, according to God's purpose. So he says, it is good for me. What is good for David? He says, that I have been afflicted. That I lost my business. That I lost my job. That they said whatever they said. That, I don't want to say the other one, but let me say it. That my husband left me. It is good for me. It is good for me that she left. It is good for me that they duped me. It is good for me that it looked all good, but at the end of the day, it really ended up bringing me a lot of torture. He says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. That I may learn your statutes. That I may learn your laws. That I may learn your precepts. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. The law of your mouth, God. 
the word that proceeds out of your mouth, Jehovah. It is actually far much better for me than thousands of coins of gold and silver, than billions of dollars, than thousands of dollars. God, I have come to discover that the law of your mouth is better. Hallelujah. So you, you, you begin to see immediately that the lessons that you learn from God are far more precious than millions of money. It's amazing that we want the money more than we want God. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That the things that other people are sweating for, for you it will be one plus one is equal to two. Addition. Amen? Hallelujah. So the lessons we learn from God are far more precious than anything else. To the point that some, sometimes our afflictions can actually become our greatest assets in life. Amen? So let me tell you a story and then we'll carry on. So sometime around 2016, I, I, I felt strongly that it was time to leave full-time employment. I was coming into ministry full-time, but I also was also going to be doing consultancies and doing business. That was the plan. And everything that could go wrong went wrong during that time. I'm not going to go into greater details. But there was one experience that I have struggled to share with people that I said is my wife around. I have struggled to share that experience with people. So I belonged to a group of brothers and, uh, and sisters, of course, and we had to learn how to do business. And in the process of learning how to do business, because you know, there are some things you know in life and there are some things that you don't know in life. And one of the things that I didn't know in life then was that I really didn't know how to come up with a business plan. So one of the brothers, really meaning well, said we have found somebody else who lives in Blanta but has come to Lilongwe and every business plan that he has worked on for people, they end up getting funded. Hallelujah. They end up getting funded. And there were names of people, some really big people in Malawi who have really made it in business. So he said, so and so, this is the guy who worked on their business plan. So and so, this is the guy who worked on their business plan. And it sounded really, really nice and convincing. So I went to meet this guy with this friend and another friend at Ufulu Gardens. So we met him. He showed us the things he's done. He showed us the business opportunities that were there and things that we needed to apply for. And it so happened that I was then going to South Africa to attend a conference. And I bought a ticket from Lilongwe. We went through Blanta to Joburg. We had the conference in KwaZulu-Natal. And uh, on the way back, because this friend, I, I wanted to say this brother. I can call him a brother now. Okay. This friend 
lives, was living in Blanta. This guy was living, was, was living in Blanta and lives in Blanta. So I had to get off the plane in Blanta. Now I say, ah, I wish that flight I ended up in Lilongwe. Because the journey from Blanta to Lilongwe was a very long journey. So I meet this guy in, in Blanta. We met at Mount Sochi Hotel. And I showed him the things I wanted to do, how we wanted to turn our farm, the things that were there, all the ideas I had. This is how we want to turn the farm into. We want to begin to process beef. We want to eventually begin to make sausages. These are the kind of things and everything else. And he was listening and really writing notes. And after he finished, he says, so I'm going to work on this. Uh, and I said, so how much am I going to pay for the business plan? So he says, okay, for, I think for this, it's going to cost you around somewhere around 300000 Malai Kwacha. But all I need you to do right now is you deposit 150000 and then I'll work on the rest. So I said, okay, great. Send me the information. I send this person all the information. And uh, foolish me, I deposit. And that was the last time I heard from this person. I sent WhatsApp messages. They were never responded to. Initially, they could be delivered, but later on, I was blocked. I tried to call. Funnily enough, some of the people that he knows are also people that I know. So I tried to go through the people who know him. This guy took my money and they didn't help. And that was the last time I heard from this guy. But I want you to understand one thing. It was at the time I was going through really hard times. And at that stage in my life, ten kwacha was a lot of money. I really had to sacrifice a lot in order for me to get that 150000 The business plan never showed up. And I never heard from this guy again. This is now 2020. It's been four years. I wish I could meet him someday and say, I want my money back. But that I learned some lessons, and that's what I want to share with you today. Because there are three lessons I learned from that experience. And before I go to that experience, before I go to the lessons, one of the things that immediately came into my mind is, it's better not to learn the same lesson over and over again. Hallelujah. And among us, the several things I learned, and then I'll tell you the three things, and we'll pray mostly about those three things, is that, lesson number one, and then we'll go to the others, but lesson number one, don't make important decisions in life out of desperation. I was desperate. I wanted things to work. And I was ready to do anything. And because I was very, very desperate, I made a very important decision in my life that ended up costing me 150000 
Thank God it was 150,000. But for other people, they have lost billions of money because they were desperate. Hallelujah. Don't make important decisions in life when you are desperate. I can assure you one thing. It will be a wrong decision. Amen? Don't bargain on an empty stomach. Because there are some times in life we are so desperate that anything that comes, we're going to pick it up. So you begin bargaining on an empty stomach like Esau. That you can actually end up selling God's purpose for your life. You can end up selling your future. Just because you were desperate. Where every time you bargain on an empty stomach, because you are so desperate, you just want to fill your tummy with something. You, most of the times, you end up making a wrong decision. Hallelujah. When you are scared, never ever make decisions because you are scared of what is going on around you at that point. When you are scared, you tend to make poor decisions. Every time you are scared, even if your business is going haywire, it's going the wrong direction, things are happening. But every time you are scared and you try to make a decision at that time, it's going to end up most of the time being a poor decision. Hallelujah. Hang in there. I had to learn from this experience that, you know what, McDuff, hang in there, don't hard on yourself. After all, that guy was a fool. Amen? You have to hang on in there. Hang on in there. Don't let desperate situations make you do desperate things. I was desperate. Because at that point, we had not yet moved into our own house. We were still renting. And the rentals were 250000 a month. So I, I thought if this thing works honestly, honestly, we'll come out of all these things. But because I was in a desperate situation, I ended up doing a desperate thing. And the other lesson I learned, because I was so guilty, looking at what I had put my family into, I knew, I knew at that point, I meant well. But because of the guilt, I learned one thing. No amount of guilt in your life can solve the past. Hallelujah. And no amount of anxiety can change the future. So if you're trying to do things out of guilt, because at that point, if my wife tells me something else, I struggled to tell her that story. I really did. Because sometimes it's like, but I was telling you. You were not listening. And the amount of guilt is too much. And I want you to understand, in your life, there is absolutely no amount of guilt that can solve your past. And absolutely no amount of anxiety that can change the future. Because as far as we know, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Hallelujah. To those who are 15 to 32, between the age of 15 and 32, don't worry about getting married. Don't worry about getting married. 
you are about settling down, you are about having a baby, the best thing you can do, give birth to yourself. That you know where you want to go in life. Because I can assure you, if you are desperate, you end up marrying a Zobo. You will attract the wrong person. I've met people in life. Why do I keep on attracting wrong people in my life? And it's a very simple question to answer. Because you are wrong. You never attract what you want in life. You always attract what you are. That's what you attract. So you will end up attracting somebody that will abuse you because you are so desperate. And, and that experience in my life, among as many other experiences, I've come to realize that the more painful an experience, the more memorable the lesson. If you fool me now, ah, you are really smart. Because I've learned some lessons. I don't easily get taken up. Hallelujah. I don't. You can tell me it's nice, it's beautiful, it flew from earth to the moon and it went back and then from there it took stars along the way and the stars were glittering and there was snow and all that. I'll be looking at you. I was like, oh, you want to cheat me again as they cheated me last time. So I want to rise it. I'll look into it proper, proper. Why? The painful experience I went through, it taught me a very memorable lesson in life. And the deeper the cut, the more you remember. The more you remember. And some of us haven't been cut deep enough. That's why we keep on making foolish decisions. It's like repeating standard two. 19 times. Life is a great thing. Amen? And what you do with what happens to you is absolutely crucial. And that's why last week I said, don't waste your pain. Use it to help others. Because I, I, I don't know why that story was so strong upon my heart. But there may be somebody in church or somebody following us right now on our live stream who is about to make a decision because they are desperate. It's going to be a wrong decision and you will pay for it. You need to calm down. Pull back. Think through things. Seek counsel. Amen? How a person deals with the circumstances of life, it tells you a lot about his character. It tells you a lot about his character. Even in a church like this, I want to tell you the truth. In the church, you will find good people and you also find not so good people. So if you behave as if you called yourself to God, you will make some very poor decisions. Amen? And I always tell people, if you find a very perfect church, don't join it. Don't ever, never ever join a perfect church. The reason is very simple. There is none. 
There is no perfect church. You find people in church who will tell you a very convincing story and steal money from you. After you trust in them that she is a sister, he is a brother, you gave them money and it looked all nice and you know all of us sit under Pastor Macduff, under Pastor Sunga. And this one is a dear brother in the Lord. The next thing they will tell you a story and a story and a story and I will tell you exactly what will happen last. They will leave the church and leave you here. And I want to tell you something else. Before you give money to somebody, come and ask me. Because I know some of these people better than you do. I'll say, that one is a brother. But uh, slow down. So slow down. Slow down. When, that one, when they borrow money, slow down. That one, what, that one will tell you this story today, that story tomorrow, that story the other day. So, slow down. The challenge is, you do these things kumbali on your own, and now when you have done those things, you say, ah, Pastor McDuff, your people. Now, because they have duped you, they are my people. When you were discussing that, I wasn't there. And you were even discussing about the cut, and you said, when we cut, Pastor will not have a peace. Learn some useful lessons. There are people who cheat others in a church. There are people who take away somebody's husband in a church. They take somebody's wife in a church. They came here praying for your wife. And the day God answered them, they went. It wasn't God, it was the devil. Hallelujah. It happens in a church. In the church. After singing, what song did we sing? All I want. They were singing with, is for you, for you to be glorified. I'll cheat it. For you to be lifted up. It happens in a church. Amen. So the way you will deal with that experience, it will reveal quite a lot about your character. Crisis doesn't necessarily make character. What crisis does, it reveals who you really are. That's what a crisis does. This morning, I left Atlanta at 10 minutes to 4. Because I had to come and preach here. I'll not tell you the time I arrived. But I can assure you, I arrived when they were setting up. But I, I had to be in church. I said I need to come. And the moment I walked in, I was praying. I was praying. Because I said, God, thank you. Adversity will always reveal your true character. Adversity makes a person choose two parts. When you're going through these hard times, there are two paths that you're going to choose. There'll be a path of character or there'll be a path of compromise. Every time you choose character, you will grow stronger. And I will tell you one thing. As you begin to move up in life, new level, new devil. New level, new devil. 
New level, new devil. New level, new devil. You meet him in another form. Amen. Character, character is the foundation on which a person builds his life or her life. Compromise kills. Every time you compromise, it will kill you. And I want to say something. The story I shared with you this morning about this gentleman. Thank God. It's a lesson that I have lived to tell the story. But there are other lessons you never live to tell the story. Amen? So what do you learn from all these things? Number one. Learn about the effects of actions. Brothers, sisters, things don't just happen in life. They always happen because there is a cause. David one time told his brothers, is there not a cause? Sometimes it happens because there's a quarrel. Things happen because there's a quarrel. When when you look at divorce, I, I, I will tell you, no matter how bad the woman was, no matter how bad the man was, there was always a cause. Any quarrel, there is always a cause. That's why the Bible says a soft answer turns away or turns down wrath. Just because they have said this, this your big nose, then you want to tell them this big your ear. Just walk away. Just walk away. And if there's a lesson that God has been teaching me quite a lot in recent times, is how to let love cover a multitude of sins. Looks like that's a lesson God is teaching me now. Because the sin And I was telling somebody else, I said, my life right now, the moment I leave house and I go where I go, Every single day is a battle. It's a battle. I I know today there are battles. And I'm going to fight another one today. And I'm going to fight another one today. Every single day it's a battle. But what is the cause? It's because of what I accepted today. If I didn't want those battles, I just needed to say, no, I'm sorry. But every single day is a battle. Amen? So, a These things always happen. They are set in motion either by one party or two parties or they allow a third party to get involved in. Amen, church? A cause always brings effect. Every action always brings a reaction. Amen? Let us learn not to push everything to the devil. Because there are a lot we push to the devil. And and many times we don't learn. Every time we are busy pushing this one is the devil. That one is the devil. That one is the devil. What happens is that we end up not learning the lessons. Because we think it's the devil. When we are the cause. I think it's wise. That one day. On your own. Seated in the house, we should be able to say, you know what? I have found the enemy. The enemy is me. 
Because a lot of us, we are our own worst enemies. Amen? Please learn not to spiritualize everything. Sometimes be sober and say, how do I make my decisions really? Let me ask a very simple question. Who speaks into your life? Who do you seek counsel from? Our first concern is 20. We've been married now for 20 Ask my wife. We married a long time. We've been married for 22 years. Let me tell you something. We still go for counseling. We still go for counseling. There are still people that we go to. Others, we go to them. How do we make this decision? Because we look at you, it looks like you get things wrong. And most of the times, they tell us we learn from adversity. You know, your son, you, you have raised your children. Now they have become this successful in life. How did you raise them up? Because, you know, in my life, I never had a 20-year-old until when my son turned 20. And I've never had, I've never fathered a 21-year-old. Now the challenge is my son has got more beard than me. Me, the beard gets itchy. Easy, doesn't it? You understand what I'm saying? You need to go to people. Have people who speak into your life and say, how did you get it right? You can't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Go seek counsel from people. How did you do it? How did you raise your daughters? Especially in these days and these days we are living in, whereby it's as if we have to take our daughters and go and raise them up in Mars. I'm always thinking, hey, my daughter, Hey, my daughter, when I read the things that I read on, in newspapers and social media and everything, I always say, God, please preserve my daughter. Preserve my son. My wife has gotten to the point of telling our kids, you know what, you guys, you are like this because your father always prays for you. So I've reached a point of telling my kids and saying, you know what, you eat, you eat that which belongs to God. So I've learned and said, God, he's now 20. She's 17. The other one is 13. Lord, when they were young, I'd say, shut up. They will shut up. These days, shut up. So these days, we respect each other. I call my first concern, Mr. Piri. Mr. Piri, how are you doing? Mr. Piri, is everything okay, Mr. Piri? The younger one is also Mr. Piri. The other one is... She does. They love it. Now I know. Amen? Now I know. They are growing up. So I can't shout at them anyhow. Otherwise they will tell me and say, you know what? You think because of this your house. I want them to live the day they will be getting married. That's when I want them to be. Another day, my daughter was saying, Dad, you know what? Can we discuss something? So I said, What is it? She says, Okay, on my wedding day, I'm. <laughs> on my wedding day, Dad. Uh, will you give 
promises or guarantees. She said two things. Number one, I really want you to marry me. I'm sorry if I get married. Number one. So on that wedding day, would it be possible that when uh, you have to be in front of marrying me, so I can when uh, when uh, mom can take me and walk me to uh, say, ah, 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 that won't happen. I'll do both duties myself. I'll take you, I'll hand you over. Then I'll quickly go to the front. Say, here comes the bride. And it is me who will tell my son-in-law, you may now kiss the bride. Me, I'll do it. So now I can't run away from... The girl wants to get married one day. Amen? So I can't say, hey, no, wait, hey, hey, uh-uh. You want to get married. Now that you know, you want to get married uh, this way. Amen? Don't begin shouting. Because some of us, all we know is shout. We can't have any sensible conversations with our daughters. They leave home. They leave. I can assure you, children, they leave. Why am I saying this? Because I did it. There was a point when I said, this home is, 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 is too much. So I left. And I lived from in, in when this brother's house, that brother's house, that brother's house, that brother's house, that brother's house, until I graduated. Every time on holiday, I used to visit people a lot on, on the holidays. Because I didn't want to go home. And, and it is us parents who make the home not become the sweet home it has to be. Most of us, it's us parents. Because we behave like babies. When are you going to learn? Amen. Lesson number two. Learn about relating with other people. Human beings are nice. But sometimes they can be bad. So what you need to learn, even in a church, learn to apportion spheres to people. You can't discuss everything with everyone. Hallelujah, church. And one of the things, because we say it in the name of a testimony, but sometimes we, we tend to reveal a lot of our secrets to a lot of people. Learn who to tell a secret and who not to tell a secret. Do you know even in the church there are others who don't keep their mouth? Learn not to tell everybody your secrets. That doesn't make you less of a brother or less of a sister. Because you know, before they became a brother, before they became a sister, they are a human being. And they are still a human being. And that's why I say not everybody can be your close friend. Not everybody not everybody can be your best friend. I always tell my, fa- my, my family when we are driving, no, this is my best song. This one is my best song. Until my daughter says, dad, you can't have two best songs. You need to choose one. So I said, dad, all over Amen? Learn how much information you release to people and how much you have to hold to yourself. It's also Christian. 
The thing hasn't worked out. You have already told people it. You, they haven't even called you for an interview. You have already told everybody. When are we going to learn? When are we going to learn? I want you to understand one thing. Even in a church. And today I'm zeroing in so much in a church. Before I go out there. But I want you to know it will be unwise on your part. To think that what you share with people as success. Or as a success story. Everybody will be excited. Not everybody. Not everybody. Including in the church. Hallelujah. Not everybody. Please let some time people only know and see that you have driven a car to church. Don't tell them Panoeli Pasongwe. Sometimes let the people let people sometimes just say, ah, hey, brother, 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 what happened now? Say, na God, oh, na God. I've ordered, a, I've ordered this. Who, who are you trying to show off to? It, it has left Japan. So now, your testimony is, I've ordered, testimony number one. It has left Japan, testimony number two. Now it's in the ship. Now if the ship gets sink, sunk, what are you going to do? Amen? What you share with people as a success story, not everybody will be excited. You make other people to cry. Man, when people become ghosts, they want everybody to become a ghost. So be careful how you relate to people. And it is these lessons of life that I have told you. The older you get, the less friends you have. I've, le- I've learned, I've learned to tell other people something others are doing. I'm still learning though. Because sometimes I'm tempted. Say, shut up. The older you get, the less friends you have. The older you get, the less friends you have. Let's say it. The older you get, the less friends you have to the point that by the time you die, sometimes you may be your only best friend. Amen. You may actually end up being alone. That's life. As you grow up in life, there will be elimination. There will be some people that God will eliminate. 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 Eliminate and say, "Uh uh-uh, no, this one no. That one no. That one no. Yes, this one stay, but this one go. Eliminate. And you are here, you are still crying of friends or family like this. This is 2020, man. Charlie, this is 2020. We are going into 2021. Because Jude was there in 1999 or 2000, doesn't mean that Judy has to be there in 2020. Judy was possibly for that season in 1999. And I praise God. Hallelujah. And don't feel guilt about it. 
There are some people you said this one BFF. When I hear it these days, I go like, yeah, I wish you well. The order you get, elimination. Hallelujah. The order you get. Some of the people who were your best friends, your best friend, you were sharing a room in college, another daddy in Muliku Secondary School, among his girls. Because of the girls, they call each other darling, a darling, a darling, a darling. Ah, to this day, a darling has never come to your house. Elimination happened. A darling was for that season. This season is not for a darling. This season is for me. Amen? So you can't be running away from me to go to a darling. I'll tell you, you are never going to get out of this place. That's why if there are issues, sort them out. Amen? Lesson number three. Fifteen minutes. Learn to depend on God. Learn dependence on God. I'll show you, church. When you are going through life, as you're going through life, you learn a very big lesson. That all other ground is sinking sand. And the only solid rock is Jesus Christ. That's a lesson you learn. That's a lesson you learn. And, and, and that lesson has to be ringing a bell in your life because the best lesson you will ever learn in life is that God can be trusted. God can handle all the issues of your life. Pastor can. Because when you are thinking of school fees, I'm also thinking of school fees. Amen? It's not only you who pay school fees. I also pay. That's it. When you're thinking, when you're thinking of something else, I'm also thinking of something else. And, and honestly, when I go my way, Pastor, and, and try to do, I'm doing for tissue. The Bible says, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's just that I love myself. That's why I try. But I want you to know life is a very interesting thing. Every other ground is sinking sand. The only solid rock is Jesus Christ. And the more you grow with the Lord. The more you walk with God, you learn the lesson that only God can be trusted with all the issues of your life. Let's stand up and begin to pray. We'll pray for about 15 minutes or so. Just begin to pray. And say, Lord, I want to thank you. Help me not to make desperate decisions in desperate moments. Can I only have the keyboard? Only the keyboard. Just begin to pray and say, Lord, Lord, help me. Help me, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Help me, oh Lord, pastor is talking sense. At least today, say, pastor is talking sense. And I know I'm talking sense. I know what I'm, not, I know what I'm talking about is sense. So, so pray and say, Lord, and now I'm learning some things here. Begin to pray. Just begin to pray.